The Holy Gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which was about which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep, but when they became fully awake, they saw his glory in the two men who stood with him. And as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you and one for Moses and one for Elijah not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And they kept silent and told no one in those days anything of what they had seen. On the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he is my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him, and and suddenly he cries out. It convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and bear with you? Bring your son here. While he was coming, the demon threw him to the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Lord, open my mouth um, and speak. Hide me behind your cross. In Jesus' name, amen. So for a good season of my life, I had the privilege of going to Bolivia a lot. Um, I know Kelly's been there and Duncan and several others and outside of the town of Cochabamba where we would go, where Amistad Mission was a was located, stands this huge mountain called Tunari. Um, uh, it was the, uh, in fact, it's the the mountain which shows up on the, I didn't know I was going to say this, on the beer label of the local beer, Tequeño beer. And one day as I was down there with, the, or one trip when I was down there with the group, the opportunity came for me to go with the group from the Mary Knoll Institute, which is this Roman Catholic missionary society, where Henry Nouwen, in fact, spent six months and wrote... Um, a book that several of us have read called Gracias. And to go down to, to Mary Knoll and go with that group on a rapasso, what they call a little like day out, like a little day retreat. Um, well, quite a day retreat. It was to go and climb Tanari, this mountain which, over, which, uh, which stands over the whole Cochabamban Valley. It's about 17,000 feet. I love to say that because that's what you call a humble brag. Um, uh, I think there's two, maybe three mountains in the continental U.S. that just cross 15,000. Um, so I had this opportunity to go to... To, uh, uh, to Tanari, and I'll, I won't forget it. Obviously, that's why I'm starting 
this whole sermon because there's something about mountains. I mean, here Jesus goes up on the mountain to be transfigured uh, and to show his glory with, uh, uh, with Moses on his one hand and Elijah on the other. And I had this chance to go climb this mountain that was over 17,000 feet. I won't go into too many of the details, but it was so much of a, of a day, typical Bolivian. Uh, we had to get up like at six and sort of a hurry up and wait and took a bus. And then nobody knows when the roads are going to work or not. And sure enough, we run into this roadblock. And to do that, they just dump a load of gravel in the middle of the road. And you're like, well, we can't go any farther. And so we wait for the dump truck that dumps the gravel. And we all climb in the back of the dump truck full of a load. And we're like bouncing around going 50 miles an hour down this road to this high plain, what's called an altiplano. Go in, uh, find llama, like what I have to think old buffalo herds would look like um, in this, uh, this mountain lagoon, and climbed the mountain. Made it all the way to the top, snowing beneath the swirls, the scream of the wind, the cold. Uh, it was hot down in Cochabamba at about 8,000 feet, and it was freezing, below freezing at 17,000. There's something about a mountain. There's something about a mountain that's awesome and awful and and glory mixed with uh, a rawness, a primacy. Um, nothing grows at the top of Tenari. I stood there and it was all rock and it was all swirl. It was the closest thing I had to a Moses experience. There's something about a mountain for the mountains play a prominent role throughout the scriptures. Um, Moses goes up on the Mount Sinai, of course, to uh, to hear God and to receive His commandments. Uh, Jesus here goes up on the mountain to uh, to, to to reveal His glory. Um, Abraham goes up on Mount Moriah, sacrifices his son. Um, Jesus would climb the Mount of Golgotha to die. There's something about a mountain. But there's something other about mountains where Jesus goes up and he never stays. And that's probably the biggest word that we can have because we think about a mountaintop experience as this high where you've seen the glory of God and we want to live there. Who can blame Peter? Sweet Peter, heavy with sleep, just like he was heavy with sleep in the Garden of Gethsemane and could not wait with the Lord but an hour to pray. Very similar. Could he not wait? No, he couldn't. He and James and John were there again asleep. But when they came to, not knowing really what was going on, he looked up. Can you imagine? There's Moses and Elijah and the Lord Jesus in his full splendor, revealed in his glory. And Peter says the only logical thing. He says, Lord, this is good. Even here on this forsaken place on the top of the mountain where nothing grows, you're here. And Elijah and Moses, we should stay here. Let us dwell here. Let us tabernacle here. Let's put up three tents. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He doesn't think about himself. He doesn't think about James and John. Peter, sweet Peter, says the right thing. But then Jesus says, no, Peter... We don't stay on the mountain. And as soon as he said that, uh, Moses and Elijah, they seem to go away. And the cloud, the same cloud, the Israelites would have known this exactly. The same cloud that Moses was familiar with that led them in the wilderness. Uh, the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. That cloud moves on Peter. Can you imagine 
the fear, the abject fear, as the cloud of the Lord descends upon Peter and James and John. And then there's a voice. The voice of God comes out of the cloud and speaks. This is my son, my chosen one. Listen to him. And then as soon as the voice stops, the cloud disappears. And they're left. Just Peter, James, John, and now Jesus. Not Jesus in his glory, but Jesus who says, come on, we don't stay here. We don't stay on the mountain. We go down. Unfailingly in the Gospels, when Jesus goes up, he comes down. He doesn't stay in glory, but he comes down. And where does he go down? He doesn't just come down and sort of say, oh, it was fun, let's take a couple of days off. He comes down in each instance, to borrow Mark's phrase, straight away into the muck and into the mire of suffering and the human condition. And Jesus goes straight down the mountain and the next day enters in to find a boy, a boy who's been shattered and broken, um, uh, to find a father of that boy who pleads, who pleads, please, Lord, this is my son, my only son, who is seized by a demon. The demon picks him up, throws him against the wall, takes total control, and is shattering his body. He foams at the mouth. He's in absolute need. And then Jesus looks at him. And you know, it was until I started to think about this, I always thought that Jesus was in one of his moods because of the word rebuke. But the word rebuke doesn't come until he rebukes the demon. And I wonder, let me open here, how does Jesus speak when he speaks these words? Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and to bear with you? Bring your son here. For here's the word. Here's the word of the Lord. It's a story of two fathers and two sons. It's a story of two fathers and two only sons. Just the day before, around that cloud, the Father, our Heavenly Father, speaks the word, This, Jesus Christ, is my Son, my only Son. Listen to Him. And Jesus, not staying in glory, coming down the mountain, entering into the pain the suffering, the dislocation, the alienation of what it means to be a human being comes down and encounters another father who has a son and says, this is my son, my only son, who was broken and shattered. And Jesus, never leaving anything, looks at him. I'm convinced, looks at him, knowing all that was coming. And he speaks these words, O oh, twisted and faithless generation, how long, the echo of the psalm, how long, O oh Lord, am I to bear with you and to be with you? What has Jesus done just before he goes up the mountain? For the first time, he says, this is the way it's going to be. He says, Peter, who am I? And Peter says, you are the Christ, the anointed one of God. And Jesus says, that's right, Peter. And now I must die. I must be handed over to men, suffer, and die. 
And then right after this, he picks up the same word. It says, while they were still marveling at all that they did, at all that Jesus did, this, this great de- this deliverance, it says, and while they were still marveling, while it was still ringing in their eyes and in their ears, Jesus said, and I have to die. What's he doing here? Here's the boy, broken, shattered. The son, broken and shattered. And Jesus looks at him with his compassion, with his suffering, and says, The son of the father. Oh, twisted and faithless generation. Oh, twisted the spina bifida, the spiritual soul, turned in on himself. Oh, twisted and faithless generation. And it's not a word of rebuke. Don't hear that as a word of rebuke. Faithless because faith is my gift to you. For what I'm going to do is take now the shattering, the brokenness of body, the being thrown against the wall, and I will take that and go all the way. But for him, for Jesus, he knew, for he just told us, that there was going to be no deliverance. There would be no sparing. There would be no last word of reprieve like there was for Isaac and Abraham. There'd be no, no one else to come down the mountain and save Jesus. Jesus' body was broken. It was shattered so that we might have life and have it in abundance. Jesus goes up on the mountain and then He comes down into our muck, into our mire, into our brokenness, into our dislocation, into our pain, into our possessions, into that place where we are thrown against the wall, thrown on the ground, foaming at the mouth, in a place of abject need. And the Lord speaks. And He speaks with His Word, O faithless and twisted generation, O twisted soul. How long, O Lord? How long? But the Lord knew, soon and very soon, for soon I will be handed over, and soon I will die, and soon I will rise again, and you will have hope. Jesus comes down the mountain, and He loves us. Love comes down the mountain. Christ Jesus came down from the mountain to save sinners. Love comes down, not just at Christmas, but right here, Super Bowl Sunday, to save each one of us. Oh, faithless and twisted generation, how long? Right now, the Lord has delivered. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen.